St. Leo 360, a 360 degree overview of the St. Leo University community. Welcome to another episode of the St. Leo 360 podcast. This is your host, Greg Lindbergh. And uh, on this episode, it's a pleasure to be joined by Dr. Cynthia Self, who is an assistant professor of music and music ministry here at St. Leo. Dr. Self, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we have several things that we'd like to cover today. Uh, first off, I'd like to talk a little bit about your background, Dr. Self. Um, if you could just kind of tell me about how you initially got interested in music in your life and then especially into you know, music education. Um, well, I started taking piano lessons when I was quite small, probably, I think, kindergarten, hmm. um, four and a half, five years old. Um, and I continued to take piano. Um, in high school, I thought I wanted to be a concert pianist, <laughs> very briefly. <laughs> right. Um, but I also, at the same time, I started singing in the um, chorus at um, eighth grade, during eighth hmm. grade. And I stayed with that through my senior year and started taking voice lessons. And then when I initially auditioned as a freshman to get into um, a music school at uh, Texas Tech, then I auditioned on both piano and voice, and I was accepted in both. And so I decided to do voice because basically it was less practice time <laughs> <laughs> and more social. I, I really enjoyed the social aspects of singing. I see. Very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. Now talk to me about how you actually got into music education and, and teaching. Well, I always wanted to be a teacher. I, I think even as a little girl, you know, I used to play being a teacher, lining up my dolls and, you know, had my chalkboard and all this. <laughs> um, and so I always kind of knew intuitively that I wanted to be a teacher. And I started out as a music education major as at the undergraduate level. Um, but because my family traveled a lot, my dad was Air Force, I ended up transferring to Huntington College. And the really outstanding professor there was the organ professor. He um, got his training in Germany prior to World War II, studied with some really major musicians, including Paul Hindemith, who's a very mm. famous composer. Wow. Um, and so he inspired me to go into sacred music. And so I did my bachelor's degree in sacred music. Um, plus at the time, Huntington is in Montgomery, Alabama. And the state of public education in Montgomery, Alabama at that time was really low, <laughs> not good. Right. And, and after I did my first, um, you know, you have to go in and observe some of the classes. And I saw what the teacher was doing in music education was basically just saying the students had to read a chapter out of a book and fill out a worksheet fill in the blank, and that's what counted for music education. I thought, uh, <laughs> I don't think I want to do my, spend my life doing this. Right. So um, I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in sacred music, which is more of a performance-oriented degree um, with a vocal um, concentration. And, and so I spent you know, the first part of my career working as a church musician. And I'm curious, uh, which, uh, where did you actually go to school for that bachelor's? 
Hmm? Where did you actually go to school? Well, I started at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas, right. as a music education major, and then I transferred to Huntington College in Montgomery, Alabama, and it, that was where I went into um, sacred music. I see. Okay. And then uh, as far as your teaching career, uh, when did you actually start you know, teaching and, and what grades? Well, I mean, I taught as a, I was a studio teacher for all of the years that my children were small. I see. Um, and a church musician. And then I went back and, and completed a master's degree at University of South Florida. And um, when I finished that degree, I started teaching middle school <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a choral conductor in, in middle school, hmm. which was really good. Um, four years of experience doing that, um, figuring out how to you know, work that system and be successful in that venue. Um, and then I took a, um, a larger church position that was full-time at a fairly sizable church where I had access to a full orchestra and you know, kind of all the bells and whistles. And I really enjoyed that position for the following eight years after that. Oh, I see. And then as far as St. Leo, uh, when did you come to St. Leo and how did that connection actually occur? Um, well, I had kind of um, gone through a whole cycle within the, um, at that time, the United Methodist Church. I had done, you know, a couple of pretty sizable churches. I did the statewide um, worship, annual worship for the um, Florida Conference. And I was kind of between churches at the time, and a friend of mine told me that St. Leo was going to develop a minor of music ministry, and they were looking for someone to kind of get that program off the ground. Hmm. And um, he put me on to, he said, well, you need to contact Mary Spoto. She's this, this is her baby, you know, you need to talk to her. And so I did, and she wanted to interview me, and you know, I had just started um, another church position <laughs> at, a, at the largest Methodist church there in Winter Haven at the time, and I was, I was, a friend of mine was the pastor there, and they needed an interim person, so I went as an interim, and the same day I interviewed at St. Leo, they offered me the full-time position at Beamer <laughs> in Winter Haven. <laughs> But I, I, at that point, I decided I was really ready to, to make a turn into academia, and I was really excited about kind of launching a new chapter in higher education. And right. so that's basically a, how I ended up here. Interesting. That's mm -hmm. neat. It's funny how life mm. happens Yeah, it does. You know? It was really very, very much a, a deja vu type of a thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so talk to me about uh, the courses that you've taught here, and has it primarily been on ground? Have you done some online as well? I have done both. Right. Um, I developed both of the um, university exploration music classes. Uh, the first one was Spirituals to Rock and Roll, and so I developed that and taught it on ground first, and then designed the online class, and then designed the revision of the online class <laughs> later on. So I got to do that one twice. Yep. Um, and then I designed the new class called um, uh, Listening to Great Music, uh, Making Sense of the Sound, Learning, Listening Well to Great Music. And um, I just completed the online version of that, and I am teaching that course both on ground and online this semester. I see, I see. And would you say you prefer, you know, a traditional classroom setting or the online, or how do you um, kind of view I, that? I really like the traditional classroom setting, mainly because 
I feel very energized by the presence of the students. Hmm. Um, and that kind of is a, a real inspiration to me as a teacher. You know, I am a performer. I like working with ensembles, with living bodies, sitting right. there giving feedback and making music in real time. Yeah. And so that classroom setting, I find that to be very energizing. Um, right. The online setting is interesting. It's a completely different animal. <laughs> um, it, you know, you have to approach it from a different perspective. I think. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's see. And then, as far as your teaching style, how do you do? You know, how how would you describe your teaching style, your approach to a class? Um, well, initially, I think I would uh, describe my teaching style as persuasive in that I want to persuade the interest of the students into what I'm teaching. And then I follow that with very collaborative. Um, I, I want them to be active participants in their own learning. So once right. I've kind of hooked them and got them interested in the, in the subject, then um, I like for them to become active players. I see. Uh, talk to me about you know learning music, whether it's learning to you know as far as just listening music and understanding the true meaning of it, or actually playing music or singing music. Mm -hmm. What would you say are some of the keys to to really making that connection? You know, as a student to music. Well, any student that wants to be a good musician, the more disciplined they are in their learning, the the freer they become as a musician. And sometimes that takes some persuading <laughs> to get students to buy into that principle. But the pianist that lays down a lot of hours doing scales and memorizing those scales and those arpeggios is then free to perform an awful wide variety of music without having to work that hard. Likewise, the singer that invests the time in developing their physical instrument through vocalizing and you know that daily exercising of their instrument is then free to sing a wide variety of music. If they're not a disciplined learner, then they're not gonna be a very free musician. They're gonna be limited in what they're right. able to perform. Um, likewise, um, Sing, uh, particularly singers and um, guitar players, but pianists as well, that discipline themselves to learn the um, theoretical background of what the music is. They know how to sight read, they understand their key signatures, they know how to make their way through the score, they understand how the music is put together. All of that disciplined work frees them as a musician. Um, because then they really understand they can read things very quickly, they can learn music quickly, they're very versatile in that they can do a variety of styles, they're not just stuck on, well, this is what I do because that's all I know, mm. or I, I can remember this you know, from hearing it on the radio, and as much as I can <laughs> remember, that's all I can learn. That's a very low ceiling for a musician. And so I really encourage students to, you know, put that money in the bank, so to speak, <laughs> yeah. um, in the disciplined side of it, so that they become a much more versatile and free musician at the end of the day. Hmm. That is definitely some mm. interesting insight. Uh, let's talk about some of the other faculty who teach in the music minor uh, here at St. Leo, who kind of really stands out to you and... Well, we have some like really, really capable um, adjuncts that teach um, in the music program here. We have um, Mauricio Rodriguez, who is an outstanding bass player and jazz musician. He performs 
constantly, week in and week out, in the Tampa mm-hmm. Bay area, really all over the state. He's also a highly accomplished composer. He's the composer in residence for Miami Orchestra. Um, he produces music for a lot of other artists. He's really, a, we're very, very fortunate to have him. And he teaches our um, the music technology classes. He directs our on, on jazz ensemble. He has taught some of the UE courses. He's taught spirituals to rock, rock and roll. Hmm. Um, so he's, uh, I think, one of our most talented adjuncts. We have a, a wonderful staff pianist who also teaches our um, piano students here on campus, Ina Karokovich. She's a classically trained pianist, um, studied in Moscow. Beautiful classical pianist. I mean, I've never been able to stump her <laughs> with, with anything. Wow. Um, and we're very, very fortunate to have her as well. Um, and then we have Kasia. Um, Delinska, who is Polish, and she plays with the Florida Orchestra. Um, she teaches our string students and um, directs our string ensemble. And here again, she's a very, very talented um, violinist. She's performed frequently on campus, and she um, kind of heads up our our string students. Oh, I see. So quite a nice variety, and yes. definitely a lot of talent and background. Absolutely, yes. Oh, I see. Let's talk about uh, the, the student music groups that we have uh, here on campus. <clears throat> well, we have um, two instrumental groups. We have what we call this, the um, St. Leo Rhythm Section, which is the jazz ensemble, but they also do a lot of um, like pop cover tunes. It's not strictly just you know solid jazz. Um, under the direction of Mauricio Rodri- Rodriguez, we have the string ensemble that Kasia Delinska directs. Um, I have two vocal ensembles. I have a chamber group and the St. Leo Singers. Um, The St. Leo Singers is our largest um, singing ensemble. And then we audition students out of that for chamber singers. So it's a slightly more advanced group. And then we also have an a cappella group that's called TABS. And that's directed by one of our humanities professors, um, Pam Decius. I see. And if, uh, you know, a prospective student or let's say even a current student is listening to this and is interested in getting involved in one of these groups, what's the process to actually do that? Well, we hold auditions at the beginning of every semester for um, the jazz ensemble, string ensemble, chamber sing. Well, chamber singers are kind of an, you you have to be already in St. Leo singers and then you audition out of that for chamber singers. Right. But St. Leo singers is auditioned every semester. I I open the door for new students coming in. TAB's group auditions only once a year in the spring because that's a group that um, uh, Pam tries to keep that group together for an entire academic year because it kind of takes that long to get that group gelled. And they they don't do as much performing in the fall um, because they use that semester to kind of build their repertoire and you know get the group solid, and then they do a lot of performing in the spring. So she doesn't want to change up <laughs> too many singers because they're depending on all that repertoire that they learned in the fall to you know right. be ready for the the performances in the spring. And so she limits those um, auditions to once in the spring, and they usually follow like they do a little spring performance which they're doing this spring and then the audition is right afterwards right right i see Mm -hmm. and then as far as i know there are performances i know you kind of touched on it there throughout Mm -hmm. the year there are different performances these students put on if you could kind of give maybe some examples of those 
Well, we do, um, every semester we do two concerts. In the fall, we'll do a mid-fall concert, usually on a theme. Um, and then we have a Chris, big Christmas concert that's a, a pretty major community event for the School of Arts and Sciences. Right. And then in the spring, we do a concert usually right before spring break. And then we have what we call Tunes in Bloom at the end of the um, semester. And that is an opportunity to showcase a lot of student soloists. Our ensembles perform as well, but not they don't do the bulk of the concert. They mainly do like one song or one number a piece and then we try to feature a lot of student soloists. And then our choral groups also um, are the anchor music ensemble for baccalaureate mass. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, now I know uh, I did want to mention, you know, we obviously offer the music minor here. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say the chances of actually having a music major, you know, a bachelor's in music would be? Well, I'm hoping the chances are pretty high. We're getting ready to make that proposal, a formal proposal for a Bachelor of Arts in Music. Hmm. Um, I've got the document is already in progress. Um, and we're looking at developing a, a very flexible Bachelor of Arts degree that can be specialized in a variety of areas. For example, you could specialize in the commercial music aspect of it and we would recommend that that student would get a minor in like marketing or multimedia. You could specialize in the education if you wanted to be a music school teacher, and then we would recommend that student to have a minor in education and do their internship. Or you could specialize in the sacred music aspect of it, and we would recommend a minor in religion to go with that. Or we have some students that are really interested in music therapy. And hmm. we, we don't offer a professional degree in music therapy. Those are very limited at the undergraduate level. There's only maybe just a handful of universities nationwide that offer undergraduate level music therapy degrees. But we would be able to prepare a student well to enter a graduate program in music therapy, especially if they wanted to minor in the new degree of medical humanities, which is about using the arts and humanities in medical situations. Right, right, very nice. Uh, now, I know you kind of touched on it there, but as far as, you know, career tracks, let's talk mm -hmm. specifically, uh, say, for example, you have a student who's just a very talented, you know, pianist mm -hmm. or singer, or, I mean, in this day and age, do you recommend someone pursue music performance, you know, full time? Or? Um, I recommend for students for, for career choices to make, make themselves as versatile as possible. Right. Um, I think the days of saying, well, I'm gonna be a performer and that's all I wanna do and I'm just gonna you know, narrow my sights on that, you are gonna be very limited and your, um, the competition for that is extremely high. Hmm. Um, but music, we're, we've never lived in a time when music was more pervasive than it is today. Right. Um, and there are many, many opportunities for musicians. We need music producers. We need people that can do run sound and run the technical aspect of live 
events. And I was just talking with a lady that owns a business that we use here at St. Leo, setting up sound support for our live events. And she says there's lots of opportunities. There are literally hundreds of performances every month in the hmm. Tampa Bay area. And every single one of those needs sound a sound tech. Wow. Um, so that is an area where you know people have developed their own businesses. They sign on with a company, and then they can develop their own business in that. Um, that's a very viable field. Churches need musicians. You know, that's another viable field, and that's always been one of our kind of reliable <laughs> career choices. <laughs> yeah. Um, you do need substantial keyboard and vocal. Um, skills to be a successful church musician and church musicians today have a much broader scope of skill sets needed than they used to because now you've got if you're at a large Protestant church that can afford to hire you full-time you're much more like a producer Hmm. because you're gonna have chances are a full instrumental ensemble, you're gonna have lighting, you're gonna have staging, you're gonna have dramas, you're gonna have orchestra at certain times of the year, plus you've got children's choirs, youth choirs. I mean, it's really quite a, a multifaceted um, positions at the larger institutions where you're likely to find full-time um, employment. So, you know, music technology is vital in that field as well as really substantial um, skills as a musician and then of course teaching there's a a drastic shortage of music teachers in the state of Florida Hmm. and we've it was at such a crisis point that they were actually pulling together all the leaders of music programs in higher education and there's been two meetings that I actually attended um, in the past three years uh, I just talked with a friend of mine who is the coordinator of fine arts over in Polk County, and she was telling me she's hired probably um, 20 music teachers a year, every year, since she has been in that position um, for Polk County. Um, the music, and you know, there was a rumor there for a while where everybody thought, oh, there's no music in the public schools, they're just taking that out, that's just, you know, who would want to go into that? But really that's not the case. They're <laughs> expanding it into different areas. So now they have guitar class, they have keyboard class, they have music technology, huh. plus they still have the chorus, orchestra, and band. Um, and where they really need more people are in those general, they call them general music. But what they mean is guitar, <laughs> keyboard, <laughs> right. um, the elementary music classes. Um, and so that, you know, that is a very, she said, I could almost guarantee you that every graduate you would have would be hired in the state wow. in that field. So, you know, there is a lot of opportunity for musicians in Florida. And then of course, if for that person that says, well, you know, I'm just really set on that performance career, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, I want to be a performer. I don't want to mess with all that other stuff. We have Disney, we True. have Bush Gardens, we have Universal, and all of those places have big shows that are going on every day of every year. <laughs> <laughs> and they yeah. are hiring musicians to run to be part of those shows right so it really sounds like florida in particular is quite a hot bed for so many opportunities there are a lot of opportunities in florida for musicians right yeah very nice 
And then just to wrap up here, I just have a few quick questions on kind of your own personal you know, relationship mm-hmm. with music. Uh, first off, what would you say music has meant in your life? <laughs> well, um, gosh, it's hard to even put that into words because it's right. been so much a part of my life. I, you know, I think it, it really helped me to um, solidify my identity as a young person, a teenager growing up. You know, I can remember I just was so driven to learn these really you know, flashy piano pieces um, because I felt like my, I moved around a lot. My dad was in the Air Force and, you know, I tell my students by the time I was 18, I had moved 18 times. Right. And that's literally wow. true. Hmm. Um, so for me, developing that skill was kind of a way I could you know, present myself as somebody worth knowing, so to speak, if I was only going to be, because it wasn't until I was in high school that I had ever lived anywhere for three years. Hmm. Before that, it was one year at a time or fourth grade, I moved three times during that one grade. So, you know, I never really had time to develop long-term friendships or, you know, kind of get to know people through the usual routes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I wasn't much of a joiner because I was never there long enough. So the music groups were really important to me to help give a sense of identity and belonging, I think. Hmm. And then that kind of translated into, you know, career choices. Um, of course, I spend so much of my life listening to music. Um, when I'm not working, I tend to read. <laughs> 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 or. <laughs> Um, just because it's hard to take my professional self out of my um, recreational self. But oh, that doesn't mean I don't listen to music for recreation. I certainly do. Hmm. That is interesting, yeah. And as far as, you know, what, uh, as far as recreational listening, what would you say are some of your favorite artists or genres of music? Well, I, I really have a very eclectic <laughs> <laughs> um, listening uh, and, and it depends, like, like the students would say, a lot on what mood I'm in. I mean, I love um, Baroque music. I love Bach. I, you know, I do actually listen to Bach B minor mass to relax. <laughs> wow. But I also love Eric Clapton. I love the blues. Um, I, he did a, a wonderful blues CD cover of Robert Johnson tunes, and I absolutely adore that CD. I used to listen to that in the car practically wore it out um and then i listen to a lot of singer songwriters i love sarah Bareilles. um you know anybody that i like fiona apple and a lot of people are surprised by that because she has kind of a rough voice you know Mm -hmm. the voice teacher in me right um but her songs are so clever and her lyrics are, are so authentic that I really, really enjoy her as a singer-songwriter. Um, so really, you know, I love classic rock. I like the Beatles. I like Queen. <laughs> um, you know, what can I say? It's just very eclectic. Yeah, it sounds like you, you have the ability to appreciate, you know, a wide range of music and, and talent and everything. Yes. It's, yeah, um, and you know, classical singers, I certainly adore um, Kathleen Battle and a lot of the <laughs> classical singers. 
but you know i enjoy um popular singers as well oh, i see and then one final thing i am curious uh what's what is your take on say the current state of you know let's just say pop music and the talent level you know that there's so many potential artists you mm -hmm. know budding artists out there especially in this in this day and age of the internet and YouTube and SoundCloud and so many different platforms for individuals to put their music out there. What would you say is kind of your, your observation of the current state of, of music? Well, you know, I think there's as much talent in music now as there ever has been. Hmm. But what's different now is that we have access to everything. And instead of the really highly talented people floating to the top, and those are the only ones that most people hear, we hear everybody, especially with YouTube, because right. anybody can put something on YouTube. Um, and plus, there's a visual component, particularly in popular music now, that used to not be there. You know, people didn't used to care what you look like as long as you sounded good. Yeah. Um, but now, the, you have to develop a lot of additional skill sets and some people are better at some and not as good at others like for example an artist like Taylor Swift musically not so much <laughs> but she looks great and she knows how to put she knows how to entertain she's yeah. a wonderful entertainer and a very talented performer so who am I to say that she's not as talented she is as talented is she's just talented in different ways Oh, I see. Then, like, if I compare her to an artist like Sarah Bareilles, they're both pop artists. Taylor Swift has catchy songs. People love them. She looks great. She knows how to put those songs across. But if you take that song away and say you've got a student wanting to sing it, you'll find out really quickly that those songs are pretty minimal. <laughs> um, there's just not much to them. Hmm. Yeah. But she herself has the charisma and the ability to perform and put them across and they're just magic on stage but then you get an artist like sarah borella so you know she sits at the piano but oh my gosh her songs are wonderful and her songs i love her material because anybody can sing those songs if they have the chops to be able to do it and the song itself is so strong that it doesn't require a you know performing magician to make that song pop. It's a gorgeous song, hmm. and it stands on its own two feet. And, and I have you know a tremendous respect for her as an artist for that reason. And she doesn't have to do all these bells and whistles. She can just sit there and put it across because the song speaks for itself. Right. Right. That's very well said and very unique insight, I think. Oh, I want to thank you, Dr. Self, very much for your time and insight. And uh, it's, it's been a pleasure, and I really appreciate you joining us here All on right. the St. Leo 360 podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Sure thing. Thank you. To hear more episodes of the St. Leo 360 podcast, visit stleo.edu forward slash podcast. To learn more about St. Leo's programs and services, call 877-622-2009 or visit stleo.edu.